Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Deliverability Defined. I am here today with my friend Ben Schofler, and we're going to talk about bypassing the YouTube algorithm with email marketing. And this is exciting because Ben, you're our very first guest that we've ever had on the podcast. Yay! <laughs> How does that make you feel? I hope I do a good job. So that way future guests are like, yeah, I definitely want to be on this show. So you'll do great. Uh, to preface, Ben has a lot of experience with YouTube. I will let him kind of describe his journey so far with being a creator, but he's going to be awesome to learn from. And let's just go ahead and dive in with uh, just tell us a little bit about how you got started in, in YouTube creation and kind of like what your inspiration has been and how that's changed, you know, kind of along your journey with all of this. Yeah. Um, so first of all, when you say like YouTuber, some people might have the impression that I have like millions of subscribers. That's not <laughs> the case. I'm a small YouTuber at the time of this recording. I have about 3000 subscribers, so not none, but also not a ton. I do have some experience with YouTube though. I, uh, had another personal channel where I did some tutorials about like throwing knives, where some of those videos got like over a million views, which is kind of cool. Um, And then I started a new channel that's more professional based. So because I work here at ConvertKit, I was like, okay, how can I utilize email marketing to help with YouTube? And I found that there was a couple different things that you could do that would really not only help your videos do a little bit better right off the bat, which mm-hmm. helps with the algorithm and kind of helps you bypass the algorithm a little bit and um, has helped me keep engaged subscribers and just get more people to view my videos. So Awesome. And when you talk about the algorithm, is it as finicky as like, you know, people talking about like the Instagram algorithm and how <laughs> it changes all the time? Like, I actually don't know much about YouTube and, um, you know, I obviously I'm a YouTube user, but I don't really know a lot of like the back end um, people who are creators on YouTube. Well, so let me, t- the YouTube algorithm is a little bit secretive and people love to talk about it. And I think uh, a story illustrates this pretty well is uh, about a year, a year and a half ago, I discovered this girl on YouTube named her channel was called the content bug at the time. And she had about 5,000 subscribers. I was like, oh, wow, she has she has like um, some really good videos. They were all about YouTube. I looked through her videos and she had been making videos for about uh, a year and a half. So a year and a half, she got about 5,000 subscribers. After that point, as soon as I discovered her, the YouTube algorithm picked her up, which is actually how I discovered her. It was starting to feed me her videos on my kind of discover page. And so over the next two or three months, she went from 5,000 to 150,000 subscribers. Wow. So she spent the first year and a half not getting basically anything. And then a couple months later, she gained like 100,000 subscribers. And so that's like the power that the algorithm can do. And so everyone's like, okay, how do I get the attention of the algorithm? Right. So I'm not a YouTube expert, but I definitely have researched this a lot because I want the attention of the algorithm. And some things matter. One 
watch time matters, like how long okay. a person is watching your video. Most people only watch about half a video, if that, which is kind of sucks. Like for podcasts, people probably listen to this whole podcast because people are doing other things when they listen. But with right. videos, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Second thing that matters is the click-through rate. Like if people click on your thumbnail because it looks interesting. Mm. And the third thing that kind of matters is how fast people click on it. Because when you publish a video, YouTube starts serving that up to people. And if in the first 24 hours, 10 people view it, they probably say, hey, this is probably not a popular video. But if a thousand people view it in the first 24 hours, then, hey, yeah, maybe this is a popular video. And that's kind of one of the things that we can manipulate when it comes to bypassing the algorithm. Okay, that's interesting. So I guess that's a good segue into like the overall question that I think us at ConvertKit, if we talk to, you know, customers, uh, especially like newer creators, I feel like a common question is always like, how do I build my audience? Like, I think that's a very like, just universal, understandable question that people kind of have to start out asking themselves. Like they have this thing that they want to create, they're excited about it, but then they kind of almost get roadblocked with like, well, how do I even build my audience? So, you know, what things can you recommend? Obviously there's that, that aspect of the algorithm that we we're going to talk about and continue talking about, but what other things that are actionable can people do besides just the algorithm portion with kind of those tricks you mentioned? So that's actually, I don't view YouTube as my main thing. It sort of is, but my Mm -hmm. main thing is really my email list. I started YouTube to build up my email list and I've used YouTube as like a search engine. So in a lot of my descriptions of my videos, I will have like an uh, an opt-in that people can come and check out. And I, you probably talked about this before on the show. I haven't listened to all your episodes, so I don't know if you have, but email opt-ins are like just like a quick giveaway that people can get from signing up to email. And so if you can get someone to go from a YouTube video into your email list, it will um, build up your subscriber list. And it's like a really easy way to do it, especially if you can get good at creating YouTube videos that are searchable for very specific problems. Okay. Yeah, that's a great point. We We have talked about landing pages and how helpful they can be with you know, just across the board with whatever niche you are in, there's always, or there's typically places to embed a landing page or or even just use a link and have people directed to that place. Um, Like you said, especially if you're like, what kinds of things do you use um, as like an incentive for people to sign up to a landing page? So I just released a video a couple of weeks ago where I talked about journaling methods. Like my channel is kind of all about like anxiety and living well and uh, wellness and stuff. And so I said, hey, I'm talking about this, this journaling prompt, but if you want this journaling prompt and a few others to be reminded of, sign up to this landing page and I'll send you a PDF with my favorite journaling prompts. It was really cool, like posting that video and then being able to go into my ConvertKit account and to see those people sign up and go, oh, this is this is awesome because you can't see who is a subscriber of yours on YouTube. You have no information about them whatsoever. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we just know a number. As soon as they sign up for my email list, I can start to build that relationship. I can put them in my email funnel. And this is the part where you can kind of bypass the algorithm a little bit is once they're on my email list, I can then send them an email when my next YouTube video Mm. is released Mm -hmm. because YouTube is sort of famous about even if you subscribe to someone, 
YouTube might not show you when they have a new video. Oh, okay. Because it's all based around this algorithm. Right. Um, and it's kind of really frustrating. But if you can email those people directly, you're, whenever you release a video, your video will get an instant boost from those loyal subscribers of people that are going in, commenting, uh, which is also helps with like your video's popularity and mm -hmm. also um, doing it as soon as the video is released. So it inherently makes your future videos more popular by building up your email list. That totally makes sense. I feel like we've talked before um, in other episodes about the importance of like owning your audience. And so it sounds like even more so uh, for YouTube, it's really important to have an email list just because like you said, apparently you, you're, you don't know who those people are. And so I'm assuming if someone comments on your video, uh, can you comment back? I, I like honestly haven't spent much time doing anything like that on YouTube. I use mostly it's like a how to, how to is what I use YouTube for mostly. So I'm not interacting a lot with like the creators and I probably should more, but, um, would that be the only time then you would be able to like kind of interact with people who are subscribed to your videos than it is if they comment. Yeah, you can comment back and which I really like having that conversation mm -hmm. back and forth with subscribers, but it is kind of frustrating because there is no way for me to contact them. I've had one, my one viral video is about how to stop a panic attack using a breathing technique. And sometimes I'd like to comment on all those uh, or I've replied to all those comments in that video. And sometimes I'm like, Hey, I want to follow up with you or I have like some other resources I want to give you that mm -hmm. won't fit in this comment thing. Email me. And half the time they don't. Right. And I don't know if it's because they didn't see the comment or whatnot. So it's really nice to be able to have someone on your list that will not only um, help you bypass the algorithm, but also you don't have to rely on YouTube for monetization. Right. You can then start pitching them your own products or your own affiliate stuff through your email list. So it lets you go full time with YouTube so much faster than just relying on YouTube AdSense. Right. And we talk about um, one of the most important things for creators is being consistent. And that it sounds like too, that doesn't just mean you being consistent, putting out content, but making sure that when you are cultivating that relationship with your subscribers, that they are able to see the consistency as well. And that's where the email list sounds like it helps a lot. Because like you said, if they're not getting notified of those new videos, you know, you're kind of like an, an afterthought at that point, because unless there's some way that they either say, oh, I should go check out Ben's, see if he has any new videos, you know, you're not able to kind of have that back and forth relationship with your audience until they end up on your email list. Yeah, exactly. And the cool thing is when they are on your email list, it allows you to be a little bit less consistent on YouTube or in other areas. Like I really try and be as consistent as I can, but it's hard to producing multiple videos every week. But I do have a pre-written evergreen sequence that goes out every week to anyone subscribed to me. There's all like, um, not generic, but like evergreen timeless emails. And so people are always being reminded of me every week if they're on my email list, which keeps me front of mind so that hopefully next time they see a video of mine being served up to them via YouTube or via an email I send, they go, oh, I'm going to click on that and see what Ben has to say. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a, I mean, that's a really good overview of like how you're building your audience. And we've kind of touched on some, how you, like how, the next question I had was like, how do YouTubers reach their audience? Which we've also kind of now touched on. Besides, um, ha like having an email list, as far as like content goes, do you repurpose your, like your YouTube video content 
in email, like you just talked about the evergreen series, but like kind of how do you decide in a way like not to overdo it with like one topic or another? Because I feel like that would kind of be like a challenging part of having videos and, you know, content in your email would just be like making sure you're like segmenting, like segmenting your audience the right way so that they're not, you know, getting too much of one thing. Yeah. And, um, the way that I do that is I am not concerned about it. (laughs) I basically, um, someone gave me some advice or I saw, read some advice that like these magazines out there, like GQ or I'm trying to think of different magazines, um, popular mechanics, they basically have the same articles all the time. Yeah. And so I'm not really scared of people being on my list and getting the same topic a lot. Because I know that the life cycle for someone being exposed to me isn't forever. It might just be a few months or probably it's a couple of years. People have been with me a couple of years, but I totally expect people to fade away eventually. That's what I do with creators that I follow. I'm like, okay, I've learned enough. I'm moving on to someone else. I'm just not concerned about it. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. I had actually never really thought about it like that. The magazine example is a really good example because I can tell you from someone who's like, when I was younger and I started traveling a lot, I would always buy a new magazine. And eventually I was like, why am I still spending money on this? Like I, this is the same thing I read three months ago. So, so true. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, well then let's move on to kind of a really important question that I think a lot of other creators, you know, initially, well, I wouldn't say necessarily initially, I think a lot of people go into wanting to be a creator because they're, like I said, there's something they want to share. There's something they're passionate about. But I do think if everybody could just create and have that be their main source of revenue, I think a lot of people would choose to do that. Um, and so what ways can YouTubers, I mean, we, I've heard stories of people, you know, they have one video and it goes viral and now they make all this money because they, they found something people are interested in. So they're kind of the, like the lucky ones because they just like hit something the right way. And it, like you said, it went viral and now they make videos because they see that there's this not need, but people are excited about it. But for those who are trying to share something that they know already, that they want to like help people learn or whatever, like what ways can they monetize or start trying to monetize their, you know, their, whether it's their email list or just their subscribers you know, from YouTube? Well, probably my advice would be to not focus on monetization at first. It'd be for audience building and then actually, yeah, and and, and consistency and also like learning the process of creating. Because whenever I've started a creative project, I usually haven't had a product that I wanted to pitch right away. And because of that, I'm like, well, why should I gather email addresses? Because I don't have anything I want to pitch. Yeah. But (laughs) you need to be starting at the very beginning, gathering those email addresses. So that way, when you finally do have something to pitch, you can be like, oh, I have like a few thousand people that I can sell this to. Or what I've done in the past, I kind of serve in my audience to be like, hey, I want to create something that you guys can buy. What do you want me to create? And um, I've created a course like about overthinking just because of that, that it's a much better way to have stability in your creative career is like getting that audience and um, right from the very beginning before you even think you need it. Yeah. Just practicing kind of that whole, well, and I'm sure, you know, getting, getting into the habit of just content creation in general. So, you know, even if you feel like, like you said, not focusing on the monetization part, but just making sure that you know how to create that content that people want, have it delivered correctly 
I mean, that all takes a little bit of like a learning curve in the beginning. And especially because you have to scale as you grow bigger. Yeah. And also one thing to to note is I haven't had any sponsorship deals yet, but I do know some people that are larger YouTube channels Mm -hmm. that, that do have sponsors. And they say that sometimes part of the sponsorship deal is, oh, Mention it in YouTube, but you also have to make an Instagram post or you also have to do something Mm, else. Okay. And if you have a sizable email list, that is a big selling point Mm. for people because people know that people buy through emails. It's just one of the best avenues for getting people to actually convert and become buyers. So yeah, yeah, it becomes a huge asset. So if you want to set yourself up for success in the future, definitely do that. Yeah, that's a great point. And so as far as... uh, subscription goes? Cause like, I know you can buy YouTube, what is it called? TV or whatever. Like, so can you, <laughs> clearly I'm an expert at YouTube. I'm a millennial and I know nothing about YouTube, <laughs> but right now uh, we've been talking a lot about paid newsletters and like Twitter is moving to like paid content. You know, like you, if you like someone you can pay, like, I don't know. I, again, I do very little research on like, I don't use YouTube or Twitter that much and I'm trying to get more into it. Um, But like the paid subscription like wave is kind of where like a lot of platforms are moving to. Is there anything like that on YouTube right now? Or do like, if you wanted to to subscribe to one person's channel, like do you ever have to pay for that? Or I think that they are experimenting with that. I've seen like how you can subscribe to a channel and usually it just gives you like special like emojis and stuff like that. I don't know if you can get exclusive videos. Okay. But I think you're, you're sort of framing like your inexperience of YouTube as like a really bad thing. And I think <laughs> it's the normal thing. I think it's the majority of people. And so if most people are not focused on YouTube like I am, and they're probably not going to YouTube multiple times a day like I am. That's true. The only way they're going to find your videos is if you reach out and tell them about it. And so um, that's why it kind of just goes full circle here. Your email list is important and building up on other platforms is also really important. I actually did that on purpose. I meant to look inexperienced. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I, it, you know, it's it's kind of like Pinterest in, in that it's a great search engine. I mean, oh yeah, and, and that's how a lot of people find, you know, people they like to follow is because they were looking for something that they, they needed, they needed help with something. Again, I said, I'm a big how-to person. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much like, if you have anything how-to, I might find you because I'm always looking at like how to train your dog or how to, you know, how to build a backyard, like flower box. Like that's all I use YouTube for. So I think that's a really good point. Like, unless you're on there consistently, like I probably wouldn't see your video unless I knew how to find it. And those are the perfect type of videos to have opt-ins for, because it's like, it's how to train your dog. And there's like a sign up like, Hey, here's my 10 best tips for mm-hmm. dogs that chew on couches or something. You're like, be like, I might sign up for that. Yeah. Whereas like kind of the general vlog, like here's a day in my life. Like, what are you going to do for an opt-in for that? Lots of people want to be vloggers, but YouTube is like what the second biggest search engine in the world mm-hmm. uh, right behind Google. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So make yourself the how to person first. And then when people become interested in you, maybe you could start vlogging. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how all the big people do it. And if yeah. people are interested in finding out some more about the 
some good advice when it comes to YouTube and also like some good uh, real world monetization stuff, look up the YouTuber Ali Abdal. He's a doctor from the UK who I absolutely am obsessed with. And he grew his channel pretty, I don't even know if it was like super fast, but his advice for YouTube is really good. He says, in order to grow on YouTube, you just have to put out valuable content a couple times a week for two years. And that's it. And you will grow. And he says the first 100 videos you create don't really matter at all mm-hmm. either because you're learning the process. They're going to be terrible. You basically just have to churn through those videos as fast as you can. And so if you release um, one video a week, that's 52 videos in a year. So if you can release two videos in a week, that's um, 104 videos per year. Um, so you get that first terrible bunch and then you can start really focusing on really good content. Um, at least that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. It's kind of like that tipping point for creation. Like I've, I've heard about that a lot in sort of just like different kinds of content creation. And, you know, same thing with like Instagram. I think a lot of people, they quit after some amount of time, whatever that is. And if they just would have progressed a little further and a little further, like there is this tipping point where people start to find you. And, and I've always like tried explaining that to new creators and, and I'm not a creator myself necessarily as far as like a, a, I'm obviously I do this podcast, but like, I don't have like my own like side thing that I'm doing right now. Um, but not yet, not yet. (laughs) Yeah. The, The ideas are always churning, but like nothing actionable yet, but just from watching like, you know, through ConvertKit and seeing all of our customers' businesses, it's hard to create content sometimes when you feel like no one's listening. And I think that's a really like common problem with people who, and I I've have definitely felt that before. Like when I've tried starting something, it's like, I'm passionate about this thing, but sometimes it feels like you're talking to no one, but it's important to like keep going because people, and I've always heard if you're helping, you know, one person or two people like that should be a good starting point. Like if you know that you've helped one person, then you've, you've done a good job. And then you just keep progressing from there. Yeah. And I would even caveat that advice with, if you can have one person that's not a family member or friend, because a family member or friend would be like, oh yeah, you really helped me then. <laughs> but yeah, that was something I struggled with for a while. Cause I had a, a podcast that I did for a long time called um, Shut Up Brain. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to it before. <laughs> Thank you. The, the first, um, 30, 40 episodes got barely any listens at all. And it wasn't until uh, about like episode 40 that they just started to take off, just sort of like the YouTube algorithm, I I guess. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you have another problem, which is, okay, a lot of people are listening. This next episode has to be better than the last. Uh, And and so there's a a problem with creation no matter where you're at in in the spectrum. So I say enjoy having no one like watch your stuff or listen to your stuff at mm-hmm. first because that won't always be the case. You can experiment. You can do whatever you want. For example, I'm <laughs> I'm planning on filming a video because uh, I don't have a whole lot of subscribers right now, just 3,000. I'm going to film a video just following my cat around for a day and like where it's like very cozy, you know, like he's like, there's going to be some, some candles near him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like get audio of him purring and stuff. And I'm like, 
I just have this idea that I want to film. It doesn't really, it's helpful for anyone, but I was like, I want to do it. And so if I had a million subscribers, I might be like, Ooh, should I film my video, film my cat? That sounds really boring for people, but I can do it now because no one cares. Oh, I like it. I think it's a great idea. And if it, I mean, so will you like have a landing page for someone? Like if they go and watch the video and will that become its own email list or are you just gonna? See, I don't know. That's a good question. I've, I've wondered about that because they say if your content diverges too much, you should start a different channel completely mm-hmm. on YouTube. But maybe it might be a better way to just have that be separated on your email list. So mm-hmm. I only email people uh, about my cat if they're interested in my cat. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, We talk about like tagging and segmentation a lot. I mean, it's a great feature in ConvertKit so that if you do decide to try something new, I mean, like you said, you should start thinking about collecting subscribers right away uh, mm-hmm. from the get-go. Even if you don't have a plan, you can at least separate those people out so that if, you know, someone wanted the Shut Up Brain podcast, they wouldn't be receiving cat content. But yeah, or maybe they would want both. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So I'm sending out my my emails whenever I release a video. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like a couple sentences a link to the video, and then a call to action like, hey, leave me a comment on the video with this question or something. Mm-hmm. I've heard that sometimes putting too many images can hurt deliverability. I've also heard that putting a video into an email, I mean, our system at ConvertKit can't even really do that, but maybe other systems can, like have an embedded video. Mm-hmm. Like, is that okay for deliverability or not? So... I think the issue, it's funny, I was actually just attending a conference this week, like learning a little bit more about the future of email. But I think the reason that it's kind of discouraged right now to use video and email is because that video doesn't render like instantly within the message. Hmm. I just don't think it's like the functionality is not there yet. Like, I don't think that it's people, I don't think saw that necessarily being like, a cornerstone of email was like, we have to have video work in this because that wasn't the point at first. But I mean, obviously like YouTube has been a thing for years now. And it is interesting that email is still slowly catching up to that. I think it's definitely like, I'm trying to think of like the correct terminology that I was hearing yesterday, but basically these almost like interactive type emails where it it is like, people watch videos instead of reading content. That's Mm. just a fact. Like more people will retain information by watching a video these days than scrolling through your email and reading content. That's not to say that certain audiences don't appreciate content more than others. So that's something that to answer your question, I think it, it honestly depends on your audience. I mentioned the video aspect. That's more of like a, a technological, not downfall, but it's just not there. Limitation. Yeah. Limitation, limitation. Yeah. But as far as uh, like images and like links, if your audience is interacting with your emails, deliverability shouldn't really be hurt by adding more images. What does hurt people is when, when you have one image and you put your, like a link to your website and your domain has a bad reputation with email box providers. So then if you have just one image and then someone's like, oh, and they click the image and the only thing in that whole message is just your domain name, like 
then that could really hurt you because your domain, whether it's in the sender, like the friendly from like, oh, it's from Ben Schofler at convertkit.com. Like if that had a bad reputation and, you know, convertkit.com does not have a bad reputation, but if, (laughs) but if it was also embedded in a photo, in an image, in a link, like that could cause problems for you. So everything in deliverability, there's really not, it's not a science There's no hard, fast rule that says like, if you use the word free in your like free PDF, if you use that word, it's going to go to spam. It just doesn't. Mm. Email box providers are way more focused on their customers, which are your subscribers and like what their interaction is with the emails that they're getting. And if they're happy with the, the messages they're seeing in their, in their inbox. So ultimately, as long as I think it's great when you say like, Hey, go leave me a comment on my YouTube video or whatever. What would be great too, is if you're like, if you have any suggestions for my next video and they responded to your email too, Uh, Mm -hmm. that stuff is like those positive signals is what helps you as a sender, you know, get better and better because those email box providers like, oh, these people are super interested in what he's saying. And they're even responding to his emails. Mm. I hope that kind of answers your question. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not a rule that if you use four pictures or images and two links, and then you have like two sentences that like, it's automatically going to go to spam. As long as people are clicking and taking time, similar to what you said about um, the algorithm for YouTube, if people are watching your full video that's going to make another positive signal towards the algorithm picking them up. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with email. If people spend time on your email, they're going to help you as a sender. Oh man, it's it's all algorithms all the way down. They're controlling <laughs> us. <laughs> it's so true. No, I mean, this this was super helpful. This is uh it's really just interesting to see how I mean, there's this ongoing conversation about where email is going and, Mm. you know, how long is it going to be around? And it's still the number one, like, communication platform. And it's even better than social media. And and it's, I think what it comes down to, just from Alyssa and I, like, talking about all these different um, creators is, is it's really, like, owning your audience, yeah, and and you can't do that with these other platforms necessarily because if you know Instagram goes tomorrow, all those people who don't have contact with those subscribers they're gone, mm-hmm. and so these email lists this you know email's not going anywhere is pretty much what all of us have decided, and it seems to be the consensus with others as well. Yeah, it seems like it's been around for for a real long time, mm-hmm. and so even if like the platforms to like send mass emails go away. I can't even imagine that because it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Right. So, but yeah, like there's definitely been social media pl- platforms like Vine or mm-hmm. went away. TikTok, yep. I mean, people get viral on TikTok, but if TikTok goes away, they have no way of contacting those people. So yeah. So it's been really cool to like listen to how, you know, you've been doing things. And I mean, just as a recap, building your audience, it's important to start at the beginning. Don't worry about the monetization part. Use a landing page. Get people excited about your content. Encourage people to sign up for, you know, like you said, you use a PDF with almost like a tease for content. As far as monetization goes, when you do get to that point, you had a course, right? You had a course. Yeah. I think by 
when it comes to monetization, you don't want to just guess at what you're going to create. Mm. You want to have that relationship with subscribers and actually talk to them. And you can really do that through email and stuff like that. Or yeah. like what I've done is I set up calls with people through the email. I'll be like, hey, I would love to talk with you like for 10 to 15 minutes. And if my favorite YouTuber was like, yeah, I want to talk with you, I would clear my schedule to like make that happen. Yeah. And so it's a really good way for doing market research too. Yep. Pinpointing exactly what people want to hear. And that's a great, that's a great point. Not just guessing and thinking, oh, I want to make this and I think people will buy it because <laughs> that might not work out very well. Yeah. And all the the YouTubers and creators and stuff like that, that have smaller audiences, I'm thinking less than a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. like 50,000, 40,000 and are able to do it full time. They're not just relying on Google AdSense. They mm-hmm. are building email lists. They are selling courses. They are mm-hmm. doing other things in order to monetize. And it allows them to go full-time to quit their job if they if that's what they desire. Right. It's like not really passive income because you are still working to build out those like whatever those evergreen sequences or those courses. But you're able to have those automated so that you can also focus on creating more videos. Yeah. One one quick thing I wanted to mention, it's kind of off topic, mm-hmm. but um, kind of the unsaid, actually it's not unsaid, it's said a lot. It's <laughs> like, oh, we want to um, get full-time on YouTube so we can quit our jobs or whatever. And you don't have to quit your job when you're full-time YouTube. Yeah. Um, I fully want to grow as much as I can. Um, Charlie is another, she's uh, our creative director here at ConvertKit. Mm-hmm. She has 180,000 subscribers on YouTube. She could totally quit and support herself 100% financially on YouTube if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. But she has said multiple times that that's not what she wants to do. She likes it just being a side thing that she does for yeah. fun. And a side thing that does for fun that makes a little bit of money too. Um, and so that's totally possible to do. Yeah, that's so <laughs> awesome. There's so many ways to to create it to fit what you're looking to do in your life. And as long, and I think uh, we learned a, a great piece of information recently on a team call that was like, follow the fun. Do you remember that conversation? Mm -hmm. That was like some of the best piece of advice I've heard in a while. And I think that that really sticks true at the end of the day, like do it because you enjoy it. And like you said, don't focus on the monetization part yet. And when you get to that point and you are able to start seeing where the need is, where people would spend money and, and, you know, you've created that trust with your audience, like see where it goes and see what you feel comfortable doing. Because like, you know, you don't have to do it like everybody else. You don't have to quit your job. I think that's great advice. And when it comes to following the fun too, is you can tell when people are only doing YouTube to make money yep. because they, they do all the things that like they, they try and up their personality to a thousand because that's what I think people really like. They're always like, like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe. And they're like, it's just like, calm down. A hint of desperation. Oh yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be that person. I'm just don't kidding. be that person. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Don't be that person. <laughs> Create quality content and they will find you. Totally. Like it sounds like a field field of dreams quote. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on today, Ben. And uh, like, thank you for dropping all of your YouTube knowledge on me because I definitely needed help. <laughs> no, I'm glad to do it. And um, everyone should do their own research too. Don't just take it from me and have fun with the creation process for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you again for tuning in this week and we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. 
If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.